There are many Hollywood films that are brilliant at drawing the viewer into the depths of emotion, whether it's laughter, tears, or the grips of fear. Hollywood has made it their business to use emotion to get our attention and keep it there, if only for an hour or two. But there are some films that have a lasting impression, whose message is powerful and authentic enough to stay with us for many years to come. The Last Avatar is one such film. In my interview with Sharon Rose, the producer of this epic adventure, we discussed all of the implications that this film brought to light. Even the darkness that has cast a shadow over mankind for millennia. But the last avatar was simply the first subject that we covered, a powerful springboard of sorts that launched us into a range of extraordinary and fascinating terrain and a path that Sharon knows so very well. you are about to meet has dedicated her life to enlightening others through extraordinary and creative expression, whether through dance and choreography, filmmaking, composing, teaching sacred principles and sharing her broad scope of knowledge and wisdom with so many. She's such a necessary soul on this planet right now. I'm talking about the extraordinary Sharon Rose, whose latest film, The Last Avatar is yet another profound example of what Sharon brings to the table. The opportunity to allow us all to see what we are truly made of. And it's a whole lot more than what most people think. Right, Sharon? Totally. (laughs) That's what we need to understand. We need to begin to see the vastness of who we are on every level of vibration, frequency, Mm -hmm. and into the heart of all. Well, that's what we're going to be getting into. We're going to get to the heart of the matter. We certainly are. Well, thank you so much. Listen, before we get started, um, I just want to say uh, you and I had the opportunity to speak for the first time about a week or so ago. Uh, And although it was a pleasure to connect with you, finally, via phone, we had been emailing uh, back and forth, I think, since the summer. We spent much of our time uh, consoling each other over the sudden and tragic loss of our mutual friend, a friend who actually introduced the two of us, and that's Dr. Lorraine Hurley. And we decided, as we chatted on the phone last week, that we would dedicate this show to our dear Lorraine and all of the beauty and passion she brought to this world. So so before we get into the heart of our interview, I'd love for you to share a few words about Dr. Lorraine Hurley. Lorraine was, and I feel her around, so Mm. she's working from a higher level now. (laughs) Absolutely. One of the most intelligent perceptive women that I have ever met she had tremendous amount of light and she was not afraid to look for and at the truth Mm -hmm. the absolute truth she looked also at all what we would call the relative truths Mm -hmm. she was searching very much reminds me of my husband Jay Widener yes They just are here on this planet to bring forth knowledge, true knowledge, to assist in the awakening of the species and of of every human being. And they they have had she had such courage. Mm -hmm. She sure did. Not not afraid to look at really difficult issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well said. Well, I think she has uh, has left an indelible mark. She continues to, and as you say, uh, I feel her too. 
she left us very quickly. Um, I, I sense that she is, you know, when people say, oh, are they okay when we look at the other side? I think it's more complex than that. I believe her work will continue in earnest in whatever form uh, she has taken on. And I know she is completely conscious and hopefully listening. So, Lorraine, we love you. We absolutely love you. She, again, left an indelible mark. But speaking of leaving an indelible mark, um, I, I, I first want to spend some time talking about your latest brilliant film project, and that's The Last Avatar, a beautiful film which you produced along with your partner in life, Mr. Jay Widener. So for those who haven't seen the film as yet, uh, Sharon, I'd love for you to give us a thumbnail of its premise and, and what it's meant to convey. And I know the timing of this film, I have a feeling I should say, that the timing of this film was critical for both you and Jay, given all that's going on in the world right now. It's very fascinating how it corresponds to what's going on in the world. We started it about five years ago. And what's really interesting is that through time it seems to become more and more relevant in fact a friend just said it's even a bit ahead of its time so that's good news because that means it will have a a long lifetime Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah we had been working in the world we started our company sacred mysteries in 2000 and our our first films were really about the light body Mm -hmm. and i would say the essence of the last avatar is this light body transmission because film is really interesting we we had both had experience in it me in in boston new york india and jay in hollywood and san francisco and seattle and we really knew because we're both scholars of many ancient traditions Mm -hmm. Uh, we were very aware of the power of film, the magic of film, to affect one on so many levels. The sound, the light, symbolic. Mm -hmm. There's just so many levels. And so we realized that it was we we wanted to we had done all these documentaries and uh, we were the ones that actually brought this twenty twelve The Odyssey was a film we did, our first feature documentary that really brought out the subject this was in about 2006 uh, to hundreds and hundreds of spiritual centers around the country so we had seen that this was going to happen 2012 and and we knew many of the um, the scholars on 2012 and we said okay we know that the mainstream media is going to use their I would call it dark magic, Mm -hmm. um, to turn it into another fear-based experience. So we wanted to jump it, you know, get get the dialogue going first to show that this is just a moment that we can begin to wake up and see and realize our potential as human beings beyond the fear. And so I would say that, that... the last avatar has this a very similar message it's just that much more fleshed out because we're we are past 2012 and we're into a whole new phase mm-hmm. right so we had been working in what we would call the new age for quite a while and we saw that uh the conferences it was kind of diminishing and the and the 
people coming. It was an aging population, and we really wanted to reach the younger generation. I'm very concerned about them. Mm-hmm. I have a 35-year-old son. He's doing great, but I see many of them around me, and I work with many of them. And I really want to do what I can to assist them in understanding the spiritual nature of reality because so many are caught up in what I'm now calling the egoic, myic, illusory mm-hmm. matrix reality. Absolutely. They're, they're mm-hmm. more, that's more real to them. They're, what they see on their devices is more real than the actual world. That's right. Oh, you're absolutely right. Well, that, uh, here, here to you, Sharon, for that, for if you were to do it for that alone, you know, they say the children are our future, not children, but the young people are our future. I say they are our now. And so we can't wait for the future to, uh, to start in uh, introducing uh, concepts that many of them don't even know exist. Um, like you said, the reality that they're, uh, sort of intertwined with is is really artificial reality yes. constructed yes. reality and yet you know we can go off on a tangent there maybe we can we can talk about this a little bit later in more depth but uh conversely you also have a wave as you are well aware of young people coming in who are uh extraordinarily sensitive to the spiritual or authentic aspects and true nature and potential of reality. So you know how you and I were talking offline about that dichotomy. Here we go again with that, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, but Mm -hmm. believe me, there, unfortunately, I think are far more uh, uh, young people who are, are still enmeshed in this uh, constructed reality. So beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's, I want to stay on the, the last avatar for a yes, while. Yes, so I'll tell you the story of it. So, yeah. so from that perspective, we wanted to make a narrative film mm-hmm. that the stars would be young. So Aidy, mm-hmm. who plays Mary, the, the female lead, is uh, she was 27 when we began filming. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Polinsky, who had been <laughs> the child in Charles in Charge. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was about 35, I think, at the time. And so it's the story of the everyman or the every person. Mm-hmm. So Alexander plays Jack O'Ryan. He's a... Uh, failed Hollywood screenwriter living in LA in a pretty trashed out apartment Mm. (laughs) um, completely stoned out and alienated from reality and he gets kicked out of his apartment and so he decides to hike up the Pacific Crest Trail Mm -hmm. at the same time there are three psychics who are living in Mount Shasta and they have been in dialogue in the dream time with the Lemurians who are living under Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. And they, their reason for being, their purpose is, their quest is to find Kalki Avatar. Kalki. Mm-hmm. The last avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu. That's where the word avatar comes from. Uh, the Hindu tradition during this cycle, Vishnu, who is really the preserver of of humanity his consort is lakshmi uh goddess of wealth and abundance and fertility uh vishnu actually embodies he takes an avatar 10 times during the cycle the last one was the buddha the one before that was krishna and and so it's prophesied prophesized that he will come kalki and he will destroy the enemies of truth mm-hmm bring in a state of bliss 
and complete awakening. And so we decided to use that prophecy in the film. So they are waiting for Kalki, because in the film, the prophecy is that he's going to appear in the Mount Shasta area. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, the, uh, the bad guy, <laughs> we'll call him, <laughs> um, Lord Archon, we yeah, called him. Lord. <laughs> Uh, he is there with his minions Mm -hmm. he's head of the secret society that has ruled the world for 6,000 years and he is also there because they also know that uh, Kalki is supposed to return here so he's trying to find him they're trying to find him and uh, he's found he's taken by the good good guys and Mm -hmm. he's taken under Mount Shasta and given this transmission of knowledge by the priestess of Lemuria, Mm. which he comes out and shares through the internet, the positive aspect of the internet, that Mm -hmm. we have this ability, at least we do at this moment, (laughs) to really bring out the highest of our visions, the highest of our understanding through this medium. It's Mm -hmm. just a tool. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, Sharon, because again, forgive me, the female character, um, who's beautiful, it sings beautiful, uh, tell me her name. 80. 80. She as well, in the beginning of the film, I have seen it a couple of times at this point, uh, also uses or utilizes the internet to spread the word of Kalki's uh, anticipated arrival. And I, I found that very interesting, the way you intertwine these themes of today and today's way of communicating with ancient wisdom which I thought was a beautiful intertwining. So, yeah. Tashi. Well, for me, you know, the concept of Indra's net, like this net of light that connects to everything. Mm-hmm. To me, the internet is just the outward manifestation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, the concretization of these more subtle uh, concepts. There are more than concepts. Uh, the Indra's net exists. So, this, if you think of that there is this, so we'll think in terms of sacred geometry. Yeah. So, you know, there is a toroidal donut-like form. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and we bring these teachings out in the movie, mm-hmm. right? So there's this toroidal donut-like form around around every human being, about ev- around every living being, and around the earth and around the galaxy. And... The net, the internet, is just a concretization in our physical world of that. And and just as we as human beings, or many of us now, and the movie brings us forth, are on this path of awakening and realizing the power, the vastness of who each individual is as a human being. So the internet becomes this medium through which uh, the it's a, a medium of awakening because hmm. just like in each each of us, we have all these different fields and forces and chakras and channels through which all of our own karma and our own experiences are flowing. Uh, the internet is kind of like that. It's a, it's a all the all the horror and all the beauty. Yes. Is coming through so that we can actually have the opportunity to see humanity, to see the, our minds, because the, the internet is, is all through, you know, right, um, mental. 
right? Mm -hmm. We try. It's not like the internet, you can sit down, well, you can watch somebody, but they're not in the room with you. You can't get a direct uh, transmission of the per from the person being there. Uh, but you can get through the medium of the internet and through film and all that, a pretty powerful transmission of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. And, and on that note, what I found, because once we put the movie up on Vimeo demand, on demand for rental, was our step one, mm -hmm. just to get the buzz going and give people the opportunity to see it, because we were getting a lot of people saying, well, when is this movie coming out? <laughs> we don't believe it's even a movie. <laughs> so we decided to do that first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great. So it's fabulous. It is oh, so many things that you've said that I want to touch on. Let's let's touch on this for a minute. You know, this whole idea of, of sharing the Internet or let's just call it broadly technology, which would include all media. Uh, you, you made a very interesting point that I'd like to have you maybe elaborate on in another direction and talking about, you know, the, the fact that the Internet, let's just say the fact that we're having this conversation right now, uh, obviously, it's just audio. But prior to that, we were indeed looking into each other's eyes across the miles. And uh, what, what you were, I think, saying is that it is great in terms of a knowledge transfer medium. But, you know, when we think about it, would you not agree that there is some sort of an energy transfer that's taking place vis-a-vis -vis, uh, technology as well? Um, oh, for sure. That's my, my Tibetan teacher, Nam Kainorbu, gives these uh, transmissions of the teachings. So that means that, uh, so these would be tantric deity teachings. Mm -hmm. So if you were learning to transform into, let's say, uh, Tara... Um, goddess of compassion well there's a, she has a lot of aspects but um, he now it used to be that you could only do this practice if you were in the room with him and he gave the transmission now he actually does it over the internet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, a lot of people are, uh, are now using I don't know what I'm hearing in the background are you fidgeting <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm picking up. I'm picking <laughs> okay. up. Yeah, I'm picking up a little bit of static. We want to make sure everyone hears you clear as a bell in this transmission. So, Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I could stand that for a long time because I think uh, the, with the advent, particularly of digital technology, we've seen some anomalies actually, you know, uh, come through in terms of perhaps touching the uh, or even piercing the veil to non-physical reality and, and some of the things that have come through both visually as well as audibly but that that's another maybe, maybe we can touch on that another one that's a that's a big subject for me but I, I did want to touch on that but speaking of anomalies let's talk about Mount Shasta for a little bit <laughs> I <laughs> this is a place I know many in our audience are familiar with and um although I can't believe I've never been there hopefully we'll get a chance to I've heard some incredible accounts of happenings uh, that would be considered nothing less than pure magic. What is it about that place? And I know that there are many places all over the planet that have these sort of en what we would call energetic hot spots. But what is it about that place that's so powerful? And part two, while you were filming there, did you have any experiences that you could share? <laughs> double double uh, whammy there. It has a very powerful energy. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's as some people would call a portal. Yeah. If you just if you if you stay there and you just sit and contemplate, just open your eyes to the spaciousness, 
open your mind to this, allow the mountain to, to speak with you, you, you get many, many deep teachings. And just looking at it, eyes open, so often there are these amazing clouds, mm-hmm. vorticular clouds. There's all of this lore about the Lemurians who actually first came from places like uh, New Zealand, in the Pacific, the islands. And they came across and they inhabited um, Mount Shasta and and California area. Mm -hmm. And in the lore, they actually, when they knew the Dark Ages were coming, they went and lived underneath and they're still there. In fact, I had an interesting interview with this man, Kiara Windrider, who lived there for like 10 years. And he said in dream state, while he was living there, he was taken down into Talos, which is the city of the Lemurians. And first he was taken by these kind of, they were like gnomes out of a Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which makes sense that they would be kind of the guardians and then he met these very tall, luminous beings uh, from all races that they all shone with incredibly bright light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen them. I never, I didn't know they were the Lemurians <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah. But in Dream State, uh, which is uh, the dream practice, which is a, really one of the themes in the movie right i I've, I've been practicing that for many 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 years and so that's uh one of the themes but back to mount shasta what a powerful place and i everybody i've ever met that's been there talks about these magical experiences of being meeting the Lemurians or being shown very high-level teachings just from being in that energy. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I'm, th- I'm imagining that those that are... Because Mount Shasta is considered... It's a township as well, right? Or a town. Yes, it's a small, really it's a small town. Yeah, it looks, it looks wonderful. But I would imagine that those that are there, even in the vicinity of the actual mountain, that their dream time would be enhanced simply by being in the vicinity. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But also, I think it has to do with the fact that it's a quiet place. Mm-hmm. It's the EMFs are low, right? Yeah, it's, right. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I think more and more, from my own experience, because I've been spending a lot of time up in the mount, way up in the mountains in Colorado, that really what we need now, we're in this time of, uh, it's like a, a shift and also a kind of bifurcation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were talking about this That's earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can begin to really understand and um, get this, what the Gnostics would call direct experience of our true nature, which is much easier to feel when we are out of the EMFs, when we are in communion with nature, then we begin to see the more subtle aspects of who we are 
as the most, the highest, the most developed uh, human being or mm-hmm. spirit that we possibly, soul spirit that we possibly can be within the uh, density of the city when we're being constantly invaded by the uh, EMFs, by all the sounds, all the trucks, all the, even the uh, pharmaceuticals that we are drinking in the drinking water. In the water, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, It is not easy to maintain this sense of spaciousness and and real uh, integration and communion with our true nature. Mm Mm-hmm. That's very well said, um, and that is something that we definitely need to to take to heart. Literally, uh, it has become more challenging to be in in pureness, even outside in nature. I mean, our audience knows they know exactly what's going on, as do you and I, and what uh, whomever uh, may be doing to alter the purity of nature with introducing things into the atmosphere. We talked about the water, and then of course there's the air and all that. Uh, is being put in it. So that being said, uh, we still have some space, I think, to, uh, to to find the area that you're in right now. You had mentioned the EMFs are very low. I think that's just fabulous. You know, let's transition because I think this is related in terms of frequencies, EMF frequencies or other frequencies. I'm going to talk about something called the Schumann resonance, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Something that um, as I was preparing for our interview, Sharon, I, I thought this would be a great thing to bring up to her because I know she'll have something to, to say about this. You know, uh, for the audience, wh- whomever doesn't know, I didn't know for that long, uh, that the earth has what we call a biorhythm or a, what you could call a heartbeat. Um, and that heartbeat, all planets do for that matter, but uh, the the beat that our planet has been measured at for as long as people can remember has been at about 7.8 hertz, right? Now, I, uh, through some research, recently discovered that uh, measurements have been taken very recently and... Uh, to, to the surprise of many scientists, it's noted now that the recording of that biorhythm is close to 17 hertz. It has jumped almost double. Mm-hmm. That is profound. And I think it's quite interesting. And here's here's my question. This is what I find fascinating. You know, it's also been said that we as human beings are designed to resonate with the Earth's frequency. So our own biorhythms should be aligned with that of the Earth's. So if this is true that the Earth's beat has jumped this much, Needless to say, we have a lot of catching up to do, uh, and many of us haven't gotten there yet. So I'm wondering, Sharon, you, you know, we're talking about all of the discord, both esoteric and exoteric, with people, you know, the micro and the macro. If this is true, that this Earth's heartbeat has jumped, tw- uh, doubled, we're playing catch up. Do you think that this might be what a lot of the challenges indicative of this shift are due to? I know that's a long question, but... Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, because... So I'd like to get back, go start with the light body. This is the subject I'm really focused on these days. And, and it's what that transmission of at least the, the beginning of understanding what that is, is one of the, really the main theme of the last avatar. Mm-hmm. And so... We'll say from the Hindu perspective, we'll go there. We are, there's a physical body, and then there are these five koshas or, or sheaths 
that become more and more and more subtle in, in frequency. And, and, but yet they're all part of us. Uh, people think that there's something outside, that there's this like higher self that we talk to. That's us. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just, it's more and more and more and more and more subtle. And I think that what's happening now is that we are coming into our multidimensional selves. Mm-hmm. I think we're transitioning into what I would call that, the multidimensional self, where we're able to both be in this story, in this matrix world, yet, you know, keep our feet grounded in it, yet at the same time really access these higher dimensional, uh, more subtle frequencies of not only ourselves but others. But during that transition, it's like... I don't know if you've had this experience, but if I'm in a teaching and I'm being, I'm getting this transmission of, of a higher frequency. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it puts me in a state of like bliss. Mm-hmm. And then, but then when I go away from that, it's like all, it's like almost all my, we'd call them in Hindu, kleshas or in Tibetan poisons, emotional obscurations and karmic issues right beers and all of that um they like come in almost with a vengeance once you have the next level of clarity it's like they want okay now this one needs to be cleared out and so then you clear out the next one it's like peeling off layers of the onion Mm -hmm. and i think that right now there is this at the same time that there is this like really fear-based uh, many, many people out there on the internet just, it's like they get off on the fear. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Sure and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm real excited about these because they're actually looking. You know, they're not just like sheeple asleep. <laughs> but they, and they, I'm excited about But that energy, if they could also use that incisive mind to uncover and discover their spiritual essence right Mm -hmm. then this awakening this shift could go so fast Mm. because because they're because we deal with because people write in about the movie and there are people who many people who are really excited and awakening there is others that just will watch the trailer and and go this isn't an Illuminati. It's like they just want to be negative. Yeah. And, I, and, <laughs> yeah. and how do you deal with that? Because these people are, are human beings who are really looking and finding incredible connections, right, in, in the world of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. But somehow the heart is missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how we can speak with them and say wow this is really cool that you're looking at all this but what about the solution to this that's right oh boy that's a big one let if i may i'd love to jump in on on that one because i I don't know if it was you and i that were having the conversation or maybe someone else and we were talking about how rampant this uh this culture of what i call opining uh, through media, whatever it is, whether it's uh, on CNN, and I believe they 
We're one of the pioneers, and you know, <laughs> we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. And I, Sharon, I have said that was the plant, that was the seed that was planted to encourage this sort of. Uh, this brand of um, feedback, let's just say, that that's a big thing. I and I'm going to go on the record and say I really feel that that was that's a program that that program to you know make the public feel like they should be heard, knowing full well that what was going to be coming out of their mouths would be unduly critical, um, and hence the 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 angst and the fear and any opportunity to bring somebody down. I think that whole thing was a plan. But on the upside, um, to be able to transmute that, because there's a lot of energy there, you're right. All we have to do or all they have to do is redirect it towards something that is um, that is uh, beneficial rather than destructive. So I think yeah, that's a I, great thing. Like you. Well, well, many people, when they meet me because of my artistic background and my spiritual mm-hmm. background, they immediately think I'm like way progressive on the left, how I dress, how I appear, mm-hmm. right? And I have great joy. And, and many people, they, they've turned, I mean, have turned off in Colorado, <laughs> Boulder area, mm-hmm. they have turned off the news. They mm-hmm. don't know what's going on. And I actually really enjoy relating these stories of my own awakening experience, political awakening experience, Mm -hmm. to them in a way that, I guess because I appear the way I do, they actually listen. (laughs) And then they start to share. So I I think that part of it is to always see who you're talking with and then find a way to communicate uh, from, from their perspective you know, it's like commune with them and then very subtly introduce them. Say, you know, well, this was my experience uh, when, like, the, the, that shooting of the woman, uh, uh, the blonde-haired uh, reporter the in The journalist Virginia. and the cameraman. Yeah, sure. Yes, mm-hmm. and I, I was shown by, <laughs> by some friends how, how fake it was, how mm-hmm. it appeared either... We've come to the conclusion that either there's a lot of fakery going on to like stir up fear towards an agenda, a control agenda, or on the other hand, people have been so uh, emotionally anesthetized Mm -hmm. by medication that they don't know how to show true grief Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, I agree. It's one or the other. So I try to point this out to people who are, like, they're the ones on the light side, they're always on, on the light, but won't even look at the dark. Right. You know, we've got to come to the middle. Absolutely. That's my, what I'm always talking about. In Buddhism, it would be called the middle way. We are in a time of incredible polarity. Mm-hmm. And all the work I've done in India, I went to South Africa, all over the place, uh, has been to do whatever I can to show the commonality that we have as cultures, as spiritual traditions, the symbols we have, the movement we have, just what can we do rather than, you know, the vast mainstream media seems to have a pro is programming us constantly for fear Mm -hmm. and colonizing our minds. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. You and I both come from uh, somewhat of a mainstream background, as we were saying 
we have several incarnations within this lifetime, yes. mine and mainstream media. Um, I, I can speak uh, perhaps unfortunately from the inside uh, that yes, there is uh, whether it's programming the mind to, to purchase a product or to, uh, or behavioral uh, promptings, which I think is what we're seeing more now shaping culture and in, 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 um, uh, shaping behavior, influencing behavior. It's happening for sure. But I, I want to comment on a point that you made, Sharon, that I totally agree with, and that is this sort of th- this bifurcation or this polarization of opinion, particularly within the New Age community, uh, who feel, and I, I think this is changing, but I think historically within the New Age community, many were feeling like um, the negativity is not going to exist if I don't look at it. So I'm going to keep it all love and light and flowers and da 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 da. Um, that still exists, sure. There's still that quadrant that exists. But there's this other part of those who are clearly of a broader consciousness in that area, but are also looking at the dark, if you will, the little dark corners in order to understand you can't know the, this is a little cliche, but you can't know the light unless you recognize the darker, exactly. vice versa. And and I think the challenge will be to balance because some people will get so marred in the dark that they forget there is a light. Some people will be so uh, oblivious to the dark that there's only light. There's got to be a balance. And I do, well, when you yeah. get to the, the uh, what is enlightenment, mm-hmm. that... Uh, <laughs> It seems to me that the the more you can work multidimensionally in your own being and mm-hmm. and have the channels of communication open between all the the physical and the higher dimensional aspects of yourself mm-hmm. okay. uh, then it's it's like the bodhisattva path so that you're able because you are in tune with the more enlightened subtle frequencies uh, you are able to walk in the world, walk and help transmute the darkness. Uh, what happens is that these emotions, you'll be sitting in your the spaciousness of your mind, which most people have no idea what that is, <laughs> um, especially because of the the techno world is invading your mind all the time and whirling it in these thoughts, a lot of them fearful. Uh, but the be- when you can begin to understand, even just take a breath in and allow that breath to clear away the thoughts, the negative thoughts, the, the like imagine that your mind is like the sky and the thoughts are the clouds. And they're coming, the, the, cloud, the mm. sky is not affected by the clouds, they just come in and then they dissipate. And so more and more I'm encouraging people to find that place of expansiveness in their own mind and rather than allow those thunderstorms and of, of emotions to take you over, just start to see the difference between the spaciousness of who you are, your true multidimensional self, mm-hmm. and these emotions that are really coming up to be liberated. Uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. Right, so, mm-hmm. so in working, because we're always working towards um, bringing towards union, whether it's male and female in ourselves, or whether it's the the way to come together in 
dialogue and compromise and what is highest for everyone. And I think more and more we need to understand, to, to let go of the conditioning that we are bad. I know Zen wrote recently, mm-hmm. Zen Gardner wrote an amazing piece about how we've been conditioned to think we're terrible. That's right. Sure have. Through every institutional means they could find. We sure have. Right. Yeah. And, and that is completely the opposite of who we essentially are. Of course. And so the movie and everything that we do in the world, including what Jay is doing now at Guy TV, which is extraordinary, yes. uh, is to assist in people understanding, yes, we have these problems. Yes, we do, each and every one of us. However, instead of relying on the outer world or someone else to come and save us or help us, there is, the Savior already exists inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's just the more subtle frequencies of who you are. That's right. That's right. And and this has been told, it has been said with different sort of uh, euphemisms, I suppose, or different means by which that has been explained. We are the change we've been waiting for, uh, etc. People have heard this, Sharon, but it, I don't know that there, some are, certainly, but in terms of a, what we would call a mass message, I don't know that it's been felt yet. No, um, and maybe you know. Speaking of Zen, uh, my last uh, show was with Zen. We had a wonderful conversation, and that came up as part of the whole idea of this. Let's call it uh, archonic network. We we we've called it many things, but that which appears to be malevolent uh, and quite crafty in keeping us in a state of fear. And what we talked about briefly, I'd love to get your take on this. Is you know, you think of. Uh, certainly how this energy is being portrayed in terms of interrupting the natural flow of our lives as being bad and therefore they are the bad guys but what we what we mused about let's say uh and i've talked about this before is you know you you talk about this stuff coming up in people in order to be liberated perhaps perhaps on some level that these quote unquote bad guys unbeknownst to them are assisting in the process by making things so difficult for us that we will have to wake up. Exactly. I feel that exactly. When we were working on 2012, uh, The Odyssey, I went down to Peru and spoke with the Cairo shaman, sat in ceremony with them. And they spoke about the time, this is a time of great purification. Mm-hmm. I always see it as like, you know, the, the witch's cauldron, where <laughs> the alchemical cauldron, where mm. they're standing and stirring and stirring to, you know, the, to create the philosopher's stone. Right? Mm. And so they're stirring. And then all of the impurities are rising up to be liberated. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. Yeah. And so in that making of the, you know, from the, coal the dark dense coal becoming the diamond right that i feel is what's going on it's, and and the internet is playing an amazing role in this yeah because it's giving people all over the planet yeah. uh, the ability to see what's going on collectively sure that, absolutely i think so well, you know, you think about um, the internet being that medium by which all of these things have come up. 
there's still parts of the world that don't have it. Yes. Where do you think the portion of humanity that is without technology, maybe even by choice, uh, the, the ones that you speak of that have just turned off media, the mainstream media, and maybe just have turned off technology, where do you think they are in their consciousness? Mm, well, they're in tune. Uh, I was watching, last night I watched the movie Samsara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a very powerful movie. And so so they were showing people who are living like that, right? They showed the contrast between the natural people living completely as though they, they might have lived this way 6,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my, the horror of the, the mechanistic world and, oh, that movie's intense. But anyway, I, it made me really... I went, wow, it's amazing that people are still living that way. Yeah. And my sense is that they're living in a way that is totally um, a telepathic, direct, experiential understanding of the natural world. They're still in that. Yes, I'm sure, because they're, they're human beings and they're living in societies and, and there's jealousies and there's all of that. So there's emotional things to deal with. But I would think that their minds have that capacity to a much greater degree mm-hmm. to be in that sense of openness and spaciousness and, and warmth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah got so much going on on this planet we think that because we're in our little cocoons or whomever is you know i think it was david ike (laughs) who made a great i love this uh analogy he uses you know you're in a you're in a a room with the window closed and you open the window and you realize you're on a street and then you you look on the street and you realize you're in a town you look at the town you realize you're in a state and so on and so forth um so constant epiphanies that's part of unpeeling that layer but if you're in a room with your window shut you don't know what's going on yes well the first thing you have to get be in your body you have to be in your body well most people are not even in their bodies oh you're so right about that and you see that by the way you know everyone's now talking about the zombie nation well i think that comes from something quite disturbing you know you can look at people and see if they're vacant literally beside themselves yeah yes yes Mm-hmm. And so when I, I work with people, the first thing I do is bring them into their bodies. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you're sitting in a chair. Feel your feet and feel the chair. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Remember your breathing. <laughs> you're not just... <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not just like... The, the techno world it really encourages us. Well, that's the, their ultimate, you know, wet dream that we will... Like Kurzweil, right? Mm-hmm. Ray Kurzweil. His dream is that to download his father's soul into a robot. That's right. So he can have that physical conversation. He must have had some really sad experience with his dad. That his whole reason for doing, it seems to me, what he's doing is to uh, have some reconciliation with his father. Probably, yeah just recently heard about that and i'm trying to think of it It may have been a show on gaiam that is quite sad well this brings us to in our maybe uh remaining minutes we can have a couple of more uh touch on a couple of things one of which is what we call transhumanism 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, see, to me, that's a really good example of archonic behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, on one level, from my own experience, I have hip replacements. Mm-hmm. So I have a, an imme- immense gratitude to that ability to you know, become part, you know, uh, titanium. <laughs> it's really helped me. Yeah. But when you get to consciousness, that's a different thing. And I think that the whole wave towards transhumanism has, comes really way, way back when we, the whole, like the uh, doorways, the pathways to understanding that we are more than these just physical bodies in this concretized world. Those doorways were cut off. Like science became only materialist. So Mm -hmm. materialism (laughs) became God, right? That was like everyone just, that's all, that's only what we were striving for. And, and we could only, what we could see, feel, and touch was it. So then, of course, what happens is that becomes this terrible fear of death because it's an unknown quantity, whereas in all these ancient civilizations and ones that, traditions that still exist today, our experience here in this body in this time is only one aspect of a much larger journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that the transhumanists want to continue consciousness in the physical body, mm-hmm. they don't. They, there's nothing spiritual about them. It seems. I mean, I have met a few. I met a guy recently who was involved with very high level of this, and he was telling me how in five years everything's going to be transformed. They have all this technology, and and people will be able to, you know, use their AI and journey all over the place and, and have these blissful experiences. And But they, at the same time, this is completely disconnected from their physical body, except the fact that they have this device on them. Mm-hmm. So they're not making connection with real human beings. Right. Right. And this is what concerns me. Yeah, of course. What concerns me, too, is that many of the people that are a part of uh, uh, endorsing this uh, mutation, if you will, of the human biology really feel it's the right thing. This is, you know, I, I certainly don't know all people that are involved with it, but I know people that are that are you know, gun ho about it. This is a great thing to sustain physical life. And, you know, uh, well, there is there in, in all the traditions we we are taught long life practices sure because you naturally do, though <laughs> yes yes you do uh, having a human body the body is the temple of the spirit it's you know it's the densest level where you can get to actually experience all of this in physical form mm-hmm. right so of course you want to and and as you grow older, I mean, you come in with knowledge, right? But then as you grow older, hopefully, you will still be open to learning more and more and more, and that becomes wisdom. That's right. Right? And that's the sad thing about our culture, when the wisdom of the elders began to be completely uh, not even adhered to or not even uh, acknowledged, and it all became like this culture of youth. Mm-hmm. So that's disturbing. But 
but what happens is that so in the in the teachings you're always encouraged to take care of your physical body uh, so that you can have a longer life mm-hmm. so that you can achieve these levels of wisdom because the longer you then the more you can if you're on a spiritual path, the longer you're doing these practices, you can begin to understand your multidimensional self. Sure. And as well impart, impart that wisdom to others. Now, from the other perspective, um, you know, they'll tell you that, and this is something I'm still thinking about, contemplating, that it's all light to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so that, so Ray Kurzweil would say, well, I'm just my father's, I don't know if he'd say it this way, but, you know, my father's soul is essentially made of light. And so I'm going to just bring that light in to this other container. Mm-hmm. It's quite so, mm. but also there's a, there's a piece of this that has to do with the conquering of the earth and the destruction of the planet. Sure. Oh, no and question. And so yeah. these people, you know, it's who are still raping the earth and us, right? Because uh, the the from the archonic lore, you would say we discussed this earlier how we are their food, our emotions and our negative emotions, our fears, our angers, or they encourage that because it's their food. They mm-hmm. live off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when so, of course, to that kind of mindset, you know, it, and also the archons, they, they live in a fake reality. They cannot, they, it's like uh, in the lore, they, had, they have no soul, so they just imitate. Mm-hmm. And to right. me, that's what transhumanism is about. It's not really learning how, like, so if you read the work of Joe Dispenza, which I mm-hmm. find beautiful right it's not about becoming your the placebo it's not about uh, using your expanded multi-dimensional mind and being to heal yourself no instead you're going to tra- you know tra- um, change up your physical body into this uh, mechanistic uh, robotic thing mm-hmm. yeah so I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm always looking at this, this issue of transhumanism, just like, you know, we're in a world of duality, so it will have its positive and it's, it will have its negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how yeah. do we find the middle way? Right. Well, this is a point that I wanted to bring up. Unfortunately, we're, we're fast out of time. I knew the hour <laughs> was going to fly, but on this end note, um, you you ask where do we find the middle and I, you know i was i was looking up um uh, a woman that i think we both know dr christine uh, page who oh, yes. wrote the healing power of the sacred woman i wanted to get into that with you but we're going to have to have you back for a part two um but i had interviewed uh, uh christine oh well over a year ago at this point about her fantastic book and i recall when reading that book she made mention of uh I believe a shamanic culture that that had a process in which they looked at polar opposites. They would look at the light and the dark, and rather than consider them separate, from there they would create a third reality, which would be sort of a blending of both. So it would create a third wheel, if you will. And I just the other day I was looking for it and couldn't find the reference of where that was coming from. Are you familiar with that idea? Well, in the Tibetan tradition, there it, it's you're looking towards union, 
And and one of the things they say, and that's why what I love to say to people who are like really excited about discovering the the conspiracy world, right? Yeah. That that they say that like Milarepa, which who was a great saint. I mean, he had killed people, mm-hmm. right? But that fuel that the people who are embedded in the dark in many ways they have tremendous fuel mm-hmm. sure. for transmutation for, for transmutation enlighten- yeah. yeah for enlightenment it's like i know in the lore it's like the joy of padmasambhava like turning these demons into protectors mm. i think that's a fascinating concept well there you go if indeed sharon that uh the fear and the angst and the jealousy and all of those things that generate enormous amounts of energy are used as sustenance for them. Well, gee, I think we might be able to take that energy in a somewhat similar way, transmute it, because we are alchemists at our core, and use that as fuel on the opposite side and actually turn these demons into angels. What do you think? Well, we have to start with ourselves. I think that's true. And, and the way to begin that is really to recognize that all of those thoughts, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. is not you. That's right. Beautiful. You know, there, there is a separate thing from the conditioned thoughts and the karmic thought and all of that. There is your enlightened self. And to begin to recognize and not doubt yourself. Be your own teacher. We're always looking outward. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to look inward. Beautifully said. From a beautiful woman. Thank you. The Last Avatar. I love this movie. I encourage everyone to go see it. Listen, here's what WakingTimes.com just said. An exceptionally important film about the global awakening and our role on planet Earth in this critical hour. And it was done beautifully. It is poignant. It is necessary. Please, everyone, go see it. Go find it. Where can they find it, Sharon? Go to www.thelastavatarmovie.com. Dot com And you have to put movie, the last Avatar movie, or you'll get to the last airbender. Oh, okay. <laughs> or they could just do watch.thelastavatarmovie.com, and that will take them to uh, Vimeo. Beautiful. We'll make sure to have the film. Oh, and I also encourage everyone to watch it with friends. Have a screening party. Yeah. It gives a lot of fuel for discussion. Discussion afterward. Absolutely. Well, we'll put those in the, that reminder in the show notes along with the links. So make sure that you will get to the right place and not a, a website that you've stumbled upon. You can also uh, learn more about Sharon and Jay's work at sacredmysteries.com. Right? Yes, we have a sale going on of all our DVDs. Excellent. Just put in 25 capital OFF and then you can get some of these our our older films including uh Kubrick's Odyssey and love it I know a yeah. lot of people want to see that who haven't seen it already beautiful stuff yeah well my friend you have been um just a wonderful inspiration to me and it's amazing as we we begun <clears throat> began this conversation dedicating the show to Lorraine we're going to end it with her beautiful spirit as well had it not been for her and her just love of bringing people together we wouldn't be talking right now so uh here's to you my dear sweet uh, spirit Lorraine Hurley 
And here's to you, Sharon Rose, for everything that you bring to this planet. As I say, you are so necessary right now. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. The sky is not affected by the clouds. They just come in and then dissipate. Using this poignant analogy of Sharon's, we begin to understand that we are the sky. Enlightened beings who may at times be shrouded in the clouds of negativity, but with an understanding of our own divinity and our own strength, we can alchemize the clouds into pure light. Sharon's perspectives on life and human potential and the shift that is unfolding right now are simply astounding. I encourage you to learn more about her broad scope of work as well as that of her husband, Jay Widener, at their website, sacredmysteries.com. There you will also find a complete catalog of books and music and films, including The Last Avatar, all of which are sure to inspire your own path to enlightenment. My thanks to Sharon for sharing her light with all of us and to you for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.